Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Front Row Central pseudo-inaugural podcast. This is our first episode, officially, we have a couple of other like prequel episodes, uh, and it's also a stripped-down episode. Rather than having the full crew or having any guests here, it's just me, Martin R. Schneider. And I, Joseph Wade. And uh, so it's just going to be the two of us discussing the 2017 Oscar nominations. Um, absolutely. And yeah, so this is our this is our stripped down, our unplugged episode, as it were. Mm. <laughs> it, it's getting intimate in here. We're, we're lighting some candles. We're only inviting the, you know our select few friends. We're gonna put this out on vinyl. It's gonna be great. All right, so I think we'll just we'll just like get right into it. We'll play some game of uh, will win should win. Okay. And uh, I think we should start off. Uh, let's talk about our. Uh, We'll start with the big category. Uh, talk about our Best Picture nominations. Best uh, and, Picture. Yeah. And they are... Um, they are... Actually, before we do this, let's talk about, real quick, uh, some of the things that are surprising about uh, this year. Uh, I want to mention... Like, let's talk about Oscar nominee Suicide Squad. Oh, do we have to? I guess we do have to. Um <laughs> I, just, yeah, Suicide Squad say, is is in there in the uh, the hair and makeup category, right? Yeah, and I'm I mean I guess if you're gonna give Suicide Squad something like I mean they did make a crocodile man. That's true. They uh, did. They did. They made a man look like a like a lumpy crocodile. I guess uh, it's in the same category as Star Trek Beyond, which um, is an equally weird movie for that category. Because you'd think if Star Trek Beyond would get anything, it would be visual effects, but uh, I well, the guess... visual effects category we'll talk about later. But that yeah. category is pretty stacked anyway. But yeah, and hair and makeup is always the weird category because it's the one where you get um, your oddball choices that like they're only good for making Oscar history. Like Suicide Squad joins the ranks of uh, Norbit and uh, <laughs> Jackass presents Bad Grandpa, and. It, Movies that you, you can put you can put the sticker on the DVD now. Exactly, it's a market. This entire category is a marketing scam, except for a man called Ove, which I'm I'm sure is a lovely film. But uh, this entire category seems like a joke to me, which is a shame because like makeup artists uh, and like hair artists, those those are hard jobs and they are like creative arts. But it's just ridiculous that they they don't get recognized. But you know, Suicide Squad did make a convincing crocodile man, I guess, and that is worth something. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna nominate Suicide Squad for editing, so. Oh no, Lord no! That's that editing killed that movie almost literally. But like, no, you get your crocodile man, and he he self describes himself as beautiful. So I think the Oscar, the Academy, took that to heart a little bit. All right, so let's just jump into our our best picture nomination. Um, this is a, a really good year. Uh, I saw the majority of these movies. I haven't seen Lion, but I don't think anyone else did either. 
No, you're you're not in. You're not. I can't say that because I haven't seen Lion, but I was going to say you're not missing anything. You might be. Check out Lion. I think everybody should see as many of the Oscar nominees as they can. I'm no one to talk because I've only seen four of them. You saw the four like white person ones too. Uh, yeah. There's that too. I saw Arrival. I saw La La Land. I saw Hacksaw Ridge and Hell or High Water. I am the problem with the modern movie going audience right here in this person. All right, so so I saw all the rest of them except for uh, Lion. Now you and I both agree the real oddball here is Hacksaw Ridge. Absolutely, it's a movie that I think only is only here to to get the. Uh, greatest Generation, 70-year-old Academy voter crowd out and voting for the Oscars this year. It's, it's It, it seems it's like a the, move, a marketing move. It's the Clint Eastwood slot, uh, but they didn't give it to the Clint Eastwood movie because... Yeah, which is really justify. weird. Well, I just don't think they could justify putting Sully up there. Maybe um, not. I mean, I saw Sully. It's fine. It's not Oscar best picture cat, you know, caliber cinema, but then neither is Hacksaw Ridge. I mean, I would say Hacksaw um, Ridge is less than fine. It is yeah, mediocre, it's bordering not on bad. It is that that is definitely true. In, in a future episode slash past episode that we already recorded that you'll hear later, uh, I go to bat for like the first half of Hacksaw Ridge, uh, but once it actually like kicks into the war movie mode, I, it just falls apart for me. the The first half of Hacksaw Ridge is fine, I suppose, but then the second half is very much like Mel Gibson torture gauntlet. You know what? I'll just let myself speak for that, you know, in the next episode. But um, and and the the we were talking about this earlier. The weird thing about this is not only that Hacksaw Ridge is there, but there's only nine nominees. Yeah, yeah, that's always baffled me that they've they've expanded the field of Best Picture nominees to ten films. But because of a, uh, a not a glitch, but like a feature of the voting system, if ten if a tenth film doesn't get enough uh, votes, it doesn't get nominated. So, so yeah, so so the nominees are are somewhere between five and ten. Uh, yeah, like so, there's an empty, a glaringly empty slot here, and really, like it's such a strange thing because I would say that these are all quality movies, and then there's a drop off to Hacksaw Ridge. And then there's this this empty slot that probably could have been filled by Zootopia. Yeah, maybe. Zootopia or Jackie or um Yeah, and any of these like more traditional films you think would have gone in there. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at my list of uh of 2016 new releases and I can't think of anything else that could like slide in there. Um right, like they're not going to put but... the witch in the 10th slot. I, would, yeah, I mean, they, I they could it, have they taken won't. something from the documentary category and put that in there. That would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been. Wouldn't that? Would that be history making? Has a documentary ever been nominated for best picture? I don't know. To be honest with you, it should. It feels like it should have happened by now, but uh, yeah, and, and maybe con- not. And considering like the um, the more like the rising tide of diversity in the Oscars this year, like this would have been the year to do it too. Yeah, it could have put in "I am not your Negro" or uh, or thirteenth. Absolutely, um, or OJ. Like, all right, like let's let's OJ has been yeah. been writing been writing high like on the the OJ nostalgia this year. This would have been the year for it, man. You guys fucked up. All this right, year. So let's talk about rather than talk about what's not there. Let's talk about the films that are there. All okay, right, you've got Arrival, uh, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures. La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Uh, I'm happy to see Hidden Figures there. 
Yeah, it's, it's uh, the real it's the real like uh pop like like populist uh choice right now. Because I mean it's, it's a crowd pleasing movie. It's uh it's a movie that hits all of these notes. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Warrior from a few years ago. Not mm-hmm. that the films are similar, but uh, they both hit like all of the cliched moments that we've seen a thousand times. But they hit them so well. And there's something to be said for like being a crowd-pleasing movie. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. also Hidden Figures is probably in there. Like, uh, If they pushed Hidden Figures, if they gave it... It's a dark horse, but if they gave it the win, like that's uh, absolutely a uh, political moment. Um, because it's a movie about women of color and science, and we are, I think the word is undergoing, uh, an administration that seems to dislike all three of those things, women, yeah, people definitely. of color, and science. So they might give it to Hidden Figures just to, just for the speeches alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make for good television, fa- at least. It would make for great television. It'd be a great storyline. But let's face it, this is going to La La Land. Right. In any other year, it might have gone to Hidden Figures, but La La Land is is the the film to beat right now. It's because the, it's, it's 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 working it's the, off nostalgia. It's a movie about Los Angeles, like right. And if if Hollywood loves anything, it's movies about Hollywood. So La La it Land loves is, itself. is like it loves itself. Yeah, La La Land loves itself. It loves Hollywood, and Hollywood, you know, is is more than willing to give itself its own award. And we both like La La Land. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like, we love La La Land. You, you can a... slam La La Land, you know, six ways from Sunday, and cer- in certain aspects it deserves it, but, like, it is still, like, a, a great, well, well-constructed well film. Like, it's just a joy to watch. There's nothing yeah, wrong absolutely. with that. And, like, and there's, there's moments in La La Land, like, like I see the complaints, uh... The scenes of like Ryan Gosling going on mansplaining jazz for ten minutes, uh, like that should bother me, but it doesn't in context. But if you like look at the complaints on Twitter, it's you'd think there was just ninety minutes of just that, right? And it's it's more it's much more of a sort of conventional traditional uh, romance than that. Like there, those elements are in it, but they don't overpower the story or the music, and that's what that's what matters here. That 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 said, like we both think La La Land will win. Uh, I personally feel Moonlight should win. Um, it's just a tightly, it's a, again another tightly well constructed film that, uh, as far as emotional tugs, hits you way harder than La La Land does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen and, it, but I just from the uh, the the uh, award season race, like Moonlight has a lot of steam behind it right now. So if it's not La La Land, yeah, it'll be Moonlight. Yeah. And uh, the other the other categories here, the other uh, movies, they're all good movies. Uh, we mentioned Hell or High Water briefly. That's that's the more I think about it, becomes one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, it's not like the cons- we said that Hacksaw Ridge was the greatest generation, uh, kind of like the conservative idea. Uh, Hell or High Water like pays attention to a lot of what. Uh, the the narrative is saying is the forgotten America, this like desolate, bleak, small towns that are dying out uh, in this desperation. Uh, so I love Hell or High Water a lot. Um, Arrival's a very powerful movie. It's this year is is stacked. There's at least eight quality movies here. I'm just going to assume that Lion is quality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nominated for a reason. So you have to, you have to assume it's at least pretty good. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge notwithstanding, yeah, this is, I've been 
pretty okay with this slate of uh, Best Picture nominees. Last year's or whatever, but this is... I can get behind this year's slate of films. Um, you, you've got you've got pretty much every contingent uh, spoken for, really. Uh, you've got your your oddball sci-fi pick and Arrival. You've got your uh, Hollywood uh, navel gazing movie with La La Land. You've got your working class, uh, you know, suburban struggle film with Hell or High Water. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge is your 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 granddad's favorite war movie, and then you know. Hidden Figures and Moonlight and Fences and Lion and Manchester by the Sea are all in their own way sort of representative of kind of where we are right now. And that's, I think, you know. Well, I say Man- Manchester by the Sea is like, uh, it's it's also the uh, the struggle film, the, the white person struggle film, but as uh, as is Hell or High Water, but almost like different locales. Like, just like Hell or High Water is the American desert Manchester by the sea is well by the sea. This uh, New England uh, seaport town okay, yeah. that has that setting. So yeah, they're they're very similar things in uh, in different regions. Uh, Manchester by the sea, by the way, is a very good movie. So bleak, so dark. Mm, yeah, that's like, I, I've heard that, and that's one of the things that's been keeping me away from it. I should just check it out and get it. I don't want to say get it out of the way, but you know, I still I do need to see it sooner rather than later. I mean, it it is dark. Like the the massive takeaway from that film is sometimes suicidal depression grabs a hold of you and fuck you. Um, <laughs> but it also it, it, is for being as dark as it is, also supremely watchable. Mm. Uh, and a lot of that is, and we're gonna move into our our next category here, our controversial category. Uh, a lot of that is Casey Affleck, um, right? Who is nominated for actor in a leading role. Pretty much the 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 favored uh, person for actor in a leading role. Uh, the other ones are Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen gets in there somehow for Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington for Fences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, accepting the fact that Casey Affleck is sort of the front runner in this category, uh, I see it being. Kind of a three-man race between him and Denzel and Ryan Gosling. Because even though Ryan Gosling is not at all the best part of La La Land, he is sort of riding that wave of La La Land having nominations in pretty much every category. So uh, if La La Land sweeps it, uh, he might take it as well, but he may not deserve it the most. Uh, I don't think he does at all. Um, His character isn't particularly... Uh, hard to do. It's not a particularly inspired performance. Uh, he deserves it a hell of a lot more than Andrew Garfield does. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Andrew Garfield's um, performance is not good. <laughs> no, and um, he, even if his performance were good, he still cannot do a proper Appalachian accent to save his life. So uh, it, that bothers me <laughs> as a so on it, a it, personal level. It comes down to Casey Affleck versus Denzel, and. If we're going to talk about Casey Affleck, we have to talk about, uh, like, politically, this doesn't seem like it would be a great thing to see. Casey Affleck uh, has allegations, several allegations of sexual harassment mm-hmm. uh, floating around him that we're all just kind of, like, pushing aside. Uh, special shout out, want to uh, talk to Constance Wu uh, from ABC's Fresh Off the Boat for vocally speaking out about this and uh yeah, kind of right, hollywood's 
Yeah, risked her own career and uh, kind of Hollywood's rewarding of white pe- white boys who can uh, get away with things. And I just I don't want to see it happen. I, I don't know. I don't know the veracity of the allegations. I don't really care about the veracity of the allegations at this point. Uh, enough of them have happened, and they they're tr- almost true enough that I just. It's just like we're, we're we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yes. I don't want to watch Tom Brady win today. <laughs> Nor do I. I want to see. Yeah. Like, for the good of America, I don't want to watch Tom Brady win today. And I don't want to see Casey Affleck up on that freaking stage. Well, and then, uh, and, and, and two, if Casey Affleck were to win, it would also shine a light on the fact that we're just, we're just going to let that slide. Meanwhile... Uh, Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation kind of got no, they got completely shunted this year for very similar reasons. And there's and there's there's other reasons for that too. Like if you compare the two, uh, it's mainly because Nate Parker, uh, like he is that movie. It, it was kind of an auteur thing. He put everything on hold. He threw himself 100 percent into that. Uh, and whereas Casey Affleck is a part of Manchester by the Sea, but it's not really. All him. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, uh, not not to say that these are that that excuses anything, uh, but there's there's like weird subtle differences between the two of them. But you're right, you're right. Also, uh, like I think honestly, well, we'll talk about this. I again, I didn't see Birth of a Nation. I feel like a lot of people didn't see Birth of a Nation. I did. Uh, um, I did not feel particularly compelled to write or say anything about it at the time. It's. It's fine, but you're, you're right. It completely lives and dies by uh, Nate Parker's abilities as an actor and a director. And when those allegations sort of came out against him, the whole movie just kind of died on the vine, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't want to see Casey. If if we're divorcing art from artist, it is a good performance. Like, mm. It's it's good. It's what's needed to make that movie uh, uh, watchable and not just entirely uh, depressing, but that said, like comparing him versus Denzel in Fences, Denzel has the better performance. Denzel loves to rap his voice. He's got one of the all-time greatest voices, and he's rapping it around these vowels and these uh, monologues that August Wilson has, and he's just having so much fun, just tearing them apart and chewing up that tiny bit of scenery in the backyard of a house in Pittsburgh, uh, and. Like Denzel's performance is objectively better. He deserves that Oscar more. He also already has two, and I think people are just kind of saying by this point, eh, maybe Casey Affleck should have gotten one. Um, yeah, but this is a belated one for Gone Baby Gone, as far as I'm concerned for Casey Affleck. But I just I don't want it to happen. I want Denzel to take it. Honestly, in a just world. Denzel would have like the Meryl Streep slot. Like one actor spot would always just be there for Denzel. I would be a okay with that. And I I know you're trying to to segue into uh, best leading actress, but uh, I guess the last thing we'll say about best leading actor is in uh, I guess in a perfect world, uh, the allegations against Casey Affleck would torpedo him, and the votes would go would split between Denzel and Ryan Gosling for the reasons we've already stated. You know, Denzel Agreed. may deserve Agreed. it more, but Ryan Gosling is sort of riding that that La La Land wave right now. Agreed. So Casey Affleck will be up there. He shouldn't be for a variety of reasons. All right. So let's move into, uh, yeah, actress in a leading role. Okay. Uh, here's where our major snub is. Our first yes. major snub. 
Yes, because... Where is Amy Adams? Where is Amy Adams? I'm baffled. I thought she had gotten the award, and then I'm looking at it now, and I guess she didn't. I I was so sure she had this that, and here's the embarrassing part, um, I haven't seen four out of five of these movies. <laughs> and and we try. We try to go out and see uh, and see films with, with strong lead actresses. Uh, welcome to the two white guys talking about movies podcast. Yeah, hey but guys. Just, uh, but you know what? I don't even think I don't even think Jackie is. I mean, I know it came out, but I don't think it came out uh, wide anywhere. It's yeah, not it, playing here. It was here in Philadelphia for like two weeks. Um, I mean, there there was no way I was going to go see Florence Foster Jenkins, but that's just like the Meryl Streep slot, right? But that played like throughout the entire summer, so you know it that's was true. out there. It's been out there. And that's, then Ellie, uh, Ruth, uh, Isabel Huppert for Ellie, yeah. I, that's still another one that's not, it's a foreign film, but it hasn't come out uh, really, really wide here yet either. Um, but I know she just won the Golden Globe, right? Right. Yeah. So, and, and neither of us have any excuse for not seeing Loving. Uh, no. I, I like Ruth Nega a lot. Yeah, I, I missed it. I, I'm a fan of hers. I'm a fan of Jeff Nichols. It's just a movie that passed me by. Yeah, uh, I so I really can't weigh in on this. Um, I'm gonna like I'm maybe I don't think they'll give it to Natalie Portman because she won one too recently. True. I don't really want Emma Stone to win it. Uh, I mean Emma Stone's fine in that movie, but that's exactly it. She's fine. Yeah, um, she, she's she better than Ryan kind of, Gosling. She is better than Ryan Gosling. She does some charming things. Uh, probably the best part of her performance in the movie is when she's messing with Ryan Gosling uh, at the party and requests Iran and it's like making fun of him like by lip syncing those words. Yeah, that and then also her big musical number near the end of the film uh, where she she has her audition and she sings that lovely little song. Uh, those two scenes alone are pretty fantastic, but as a whole, eh, it's fine. <laughs> but I mean, we don't. I I can't compare her to the other four people here. So nope. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna like shot in the dark. Say this goes to Isabel Huppert because she uh, won the Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good bet. I'd say. I would I would love to see Meryl Streep give an award speech. I'll, I'm not gonna lie, but I don't think it's gonna happen this year. And that leads us into uh, best supporting actor. Actor in a supporting role, uh, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for Lion, Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. Uh, And I want to point out that on the Oscar website, two of these men are sporting mustaches and cowboy hats. Of course. Uh, Jeff Bridges and Michael Shannon, am I guessing right? Of course they are. No, actually, strangely enough, Dev Patel. Oh, wow. No, that's fair enough. That's a lie. <laughs> Jeff Patel is... He does have you some do, great facial hair in this, though. You do know my middle name is Gullible, right? Yes. Okay. I, actually, I just want to point out, other than Lucas Hedges, who is literally playing, like, a 15-year-old boy in this movie, there's some awesome facial hair in these. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right, at so, it on uh, on IMDb's website, so it's all their, you know, IMDb actor profiles. But, uh, yeah, Jeff hmm. Bridges is sporting that really... Uh, just the, the the dude goatee, basically. Oh, he's got well, he's this. He's got like the ultimate cop stash. Ooh. All right, so I'm I'm just gonna do a process of elimination here. First off, Mahershala Ali should win, and I think he will win. Um, 
I think that Lucas Hedges and Dev Patel are both going to be disqualified simply because the Academy's going to say they're too young. They'll get their Oscar eventually, especially Patel. Um, yeah, he, he's he's been here before. He'll be back again. Yeah. Um, I Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon might be a wild card just because he's a human wild card. Uh, I don't think Bridges is going to get it. No, um, as much as I would love to see Bridges get an, an an award. Has he won before? I think he has. Does Bridges have an Oscar? I don't think Bridges has an Oscar. One, yeah, he won for Crazy Heart. Okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot that movie existed, as yeah. did most people. I thought he won for True Grit, but that surprised me. So yeah, it would be great to see Jeff Bridges win another one, especially for a, a, a character as good as the one he plays in Hell or High Water. But uh, I think the popular support is going to be for Mahershala Ali on this one. As it should be, because yeah. he's great in that movie, even though he's only in like the first third of it. Because Moonlight is a uh, it's a three act film, and he's only in the first act. But his presence is kind of felt throughout the other two. And this is really his year. Mahershala Ali is great in Moonlight. He has uh, a great supporting role in Hidden Figures, uh, Luke Cage. Uh, and you know, so he deserves it, and he's also that also might be a political move as well, a well deserved political move, right? But yeah, so it's gonna be him. It should be him. Let's move on. Okay, uh, uh, actress, actress in a supporting role. You want you want to list these? I've been listing them all. Sure. Uh, so we have uh, Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, uh, Nicole Kidman for Lion. Which okay. Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. This is a hard one for me. I only hesitated uh, on Moon on Lion because I didn't I didn't know Nicole Kidman was in that movie. <laughs> um, um, I, I I have a feeling this is going to be Octavia Spencer's year. You think so? I I, I do. I mean, I, I again, I've not seen Fences or Hidden Figures, but she does. Okay, I'll put it this way. Octavia Spencer is in every movie coming out this quarter, so I think her name is out there enough, and I think everybody is go- is a- a- enough of a fan of Hidden Figures that they'll give it to her. You you want it so that they can put Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer on the poster for The Shack. Yes, that is that is exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm now interested in The Shack because I found out that Octavia Spencer plays God in that movie. So suddenly my interest yeah. was like peaked. I'm like, I now I now care about this. <laughs> well, um, no, there was it was some movie I went to see in the last month or so, and it seemed like every preview before the movie featured Octavia Spencer. There was <laughs> there was The Shape of Water, and then there was The Shack, and then there was Small Town Crime, and I was like, what is going on here? And then, um, you know, it was an ad for. Uh, hidden figures because it was just starting to roll out in theaters like what is i mean no no uh nothing against her because i'm i appreciate her getting all this work but like it's it's like they're really pushing octavia spencer on us right now all right so anyway i mean it's 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 a three-way tie between viola naomi and octavia uh if you want to give that edge to octavia i think i'll take uh viola okay fair enough yeah uh, we'll split the will win should win there, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, animated feature film. Um, so five of them. I've seen three. Although I do have a screener for my life as a zucchini. So Ooh. we'll uh, we'll review that soon. Cool. I'll get that up there before before the Oscars, hopefully. 
so yeah, we've in this category we've got Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Zootopia. Now, first thing I want to say is I've seen screenshots for The Red Turtle, and my own ignorance playing against me, I thought they were screenshots for a video game. I didn't realize that was an actual movie. Um, not to say that that looks one... not to say that that looks bad. I just it, it, they looked like um effort, like video cutscenes from a movie, but uh. Actually, the cell shading and stuff looks really kind of neat the more I look at this. Uh, so Everything I've heard about the Red Turtle says that the Red Turtle is very pretty. And they don't say much mm-hmm. about the storytelling, but they say it's very nice to look at. Um, every time I think about this category, I'm reminded of uh, that, you know, every year, like, I think it's the Hollywood Reporter puts out what's probably bullshit, but it's like a secret Oscar voter talks about their ballot and what they... Uh, yeah. What they voted for. Oh, yeah. yeah, and there was just one a few years ago that was like, I don't watch this shit. Who the hell watch it? Well, I'm gonna, uh, this is the one my kid likes, so I'm going to vote for it. Uh, who? What is this thing no one's heard of? What, some weird kind of Chinese shit? No one cares about it? Yeah. And it was like... Uh, it was I'm like going with Pixar. Pixar's the name brand. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> for that purpose, like, I'm happy to see Kubo up there, even though it's not even the best Leica film. Uh, it's really between Moana and Zootopia, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so it, it's, it's going to be one of the Disney's. Yeah, so it, it really comes down to like the classic Disney musical or the billion dollar out of nowhere Disney cartoon. Um, yeah, um, so take your pick. And I'm I'm still a little bit bitter at the Academy for overlooking uh, Paranorman, so I, I don't trust that they're going to give it to Kubo. Um, no, and honestly, of those three, they shouldn't give it to Kubo. Well, no, no. I mean, I still enjoy it, and I still appreciate it, but yeah, I, I've cooled on it a bit. Uh, but my beef with the Academy, is, as far as Leica goes, is that they passed over um, Paranorman a few years back to give it to, I think, I want to say Wreck-It Ralph. And then only just, in the, only just last year did they give like a, a special Academy Award for the technical craft of 3D printing uh, the models that they used to make Paranorman. So it was like a, 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 a backhanded, oh, by the way, here you go. Like, fuck off. <laughs> and I just was so mad about that. Like, sure, you give Paranorman, like, the time of day three years later and two minutes into, like, you know. A... What what one, like, Paranorman didn't even get uh, nominated, but what came out that no, year? No, it did. Or what did get? It did. Oh, it did get nominated. What one? It, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, I think. Oh, okay, that's right. You just said that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Paranorman's a better movie than Wreck-It Ralph. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm actually looking, going, thinking about uh, what other animated movies came out this year that could have been in that slot. And the only the only thing that, like... Finding Dory. My top, yeah, Finding Dory and Storks. Yeah. And, uh, like, even though I like Storks a lot, it didn't deserve to be on this list. So, uh, this is going to go to Zootopia. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say one one last thing. I'm so glad they did not give Sausage Party a nomination because that means we don't have to sit through like a bunch of shitty Sausage Party characters walking around the stage on the Oscars because you know they would have done oh, that. Yeah, they would have absolutely done that, and it would have been like it would have been like like super toned down, which ruins any of the humor, right? Because it's and on it primetime TV, so right, it would have <laughs> like, been really point? awkward. So. Uh, yeah, this is going to go to Zootopia, who I said, you know, should have been in the best picture slot. Um, mm-hmm. Should win, will you know, win. Should win, will win. Uh, weird, like, it's 
uh, I guess not that weird that there's no Pixar in here because Finding Dory was mediocre. Eh. It, it was mediocre. It was a big enough hit, but I think uh, they rightly called it on this one. So I, I have no problem uh, missing out on it. In this All right, let's 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 lightning round the cinematography or the technical categories. All right, nerd awards, nerd awards, cinematography: Bradford Young for Arrival, Linus Sandgren for La La Land. Greg Frazier for Lion, Lion, eh. James Laxton for Moonlight, and Rodrigo Prieto for Silence. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say that La La Land probably takes this. It might, and and again, probably just because the La La Land sweep is probably going to happen. But I would, or love this to see is, a ri- I would love to see a yeah, rival but- take it because it he has Bradford Young has a very um, Roger Deakins look to his style, and to the point that I thought it was Roger Deakins until I saw his name in the credits. I did, too. Um, and I'm still yeah, bitter I would, that Roger maybe... Deakins hasn't won an award yet, so I want him to win it and then thank Roger Deakins. Deakins ain't got no statue! Um, no, this might be the bone that they throw a rival. Yeah, it could be. Costume design. Uh, Joanna Johnson for Allied. Colleen Atwood for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Consolata Boyle for Florence Foster Jenkins, Madeline Fontaine for Jackie, and Mary Zobfress for La La Land. Um, basically, this, this is, is just like period clothing, which is, is what it always is. Costume design is just like, hey, because it's old, it must be good. Right, and I think people are going to be tempted to give it to F- Fantastic Beasts for that purpose, because there's a lot of that sort of uh, early 20th century clothing going on in that movie. But there's a lot of early 20th century clothing going on in all of these movies, so... I, I think it goes to Jackie. Uh, simply might. because, probably like, would. style is such a part of that person, of that character. Yeah. Like, it's almost inseparable from uh, Natalie Portman's performance. That's fair. I, I, I'll agree on that, yeah. Best Director. I don't. By the way, I don't know why we... Okay, we'll, we'll talk about this one a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, best Director... Uh, do you know how to pronounce his name, Joe? I, I believe it's Denis Villeneuve. That's so much closer than what I had. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve for Arrival. Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. Will win, should win. Damien Sh- Wait, no, what? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> uh, we are absolutely not the Mel Gibson supporting podcast. No, no. Mad Max fans all the way, but at a certain point that stops. Yeah, no, there's only so much you can uh, give old Martin Riggs there. Uh, all right. Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Kenneth Longergan for Manchester by the Sea. And Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. You know what they might do? This might be the weird... It's probably not going to happen, but I'd like to see it happen. This might be the the weird director best picture split. They might give this to Barry see Jenkins. That happening. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they might it could happen. They might uh, they might give Barry Jenkins Moonlight and they might give uh uh La La Land best director. And I could see the case going either way to be honest. Like you you want to support you know you you want to support uh, uh Barry Jenkins for for directing Moonlight but you also want to support like the 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 craft of making a musical like La La Land. Moonlight packs a lot of things, though. There's a lot of uh, a lot of visuals, a lot of elements happening in Moonlight in what is such a small story. 
And it's, um, it sounds like the, it's, it's structured much, much more differently than your typical, uh, I guess, three-act movie. Like it, it, it does not share yeah. anything with La La Land as far as like structural composition. No, absolutely. La La Land definitely has the uh, rising, falling act, the traditionalist yeah. uh, methodology. But honestly, like the two of them do have that in common in just how many elements there are. It's just really a sense of scale. So it kind of uh, really depends on what you find more impressive. The big, bombastic, like, freeway numbers and stuff, or putting together so many elements in such a small one-person's-life story. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's there's something to be said for both of them. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Barry Jenkins as my underdog pick for this. You, you you make a compelling case. So I'm, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards agreeing with you. Uh, I I I feel like if if it would be anybody else, it would be Damien Chazelle. So right. it's it's between the two of them because it, it definitely ain't going to Mel Gibson or or Dennis. No, absolutely. Uh, I don't. Mel Gibson shouldn't even be on there. Like, no, that's no. the one that makes me the angriest. Uh, we let's. I think we'll probably. Skip through the documentary category. Well, categories, but I do want to just point out the documentary feature category this year is stacked. Uh, is I haven't seen "I Am Not Your Negro" is. yet, but it's it's selling stuff out. OJ Made in America is great. Thirteenth is great. Um, so, and Fire at Sea is one that I've just heard good stuff about. So, and then you've got Life Animated, which is you know it's it's a shrug, but it's also the feel good pick of those right so and i uh, i do know I, that oj made in america is on hulu now i believe so yes it is it, yes, like it, it is. just arrived so if you haven't and seen 13th yeah 13th is on netflix uh mm-hmm. ashley harold reviewed that for us so th- this is like yeah. is this sort of the, the one of the first years where like streaming services are really putting out like the oscar caliber content i know last I year think so last year we had oh uh, what was it um the one with idris elba yeah beast beasts of no nations Beast of No it? Nation, yeah. I was gonna say Beast of Soda Wild, but yeah, Beast of No Nations. Yeah. Of No so, Nation. So Hulu and, ne- and Netflix are really stepping it up this year. Yeah, yeah, they are pushing for that. <laughs> With one uh, nomination and- each. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I Am Not Your Negro, which is uh selling out theaters this weekend. Yeah, it's starting to so. roll out. Um I think it's I think it's coming to my area n- week after next. So that's that'll be neat. Yeah. That'll be good to see. It's it's in a couple of theaters here in Philadelphia, so I'm going to skip the uh, short subject. Uh, Film editing uh, comes to Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, La La Land, and Moonlight. Uh, I'm going to say this should be Moonlight. Should not be Hacksaw Ridge. Could Uh, be Arrival. Arrival is is fairly interesting in its construction, so I could definitely see them giving it to that. That is true. That is true. And the it is such an essential part of it. Really, uh, the one that I think doesn't deserve it is La La Land. Yeah, it's pretty conventional as, as far as uh, as far as editing is concerned. I mean, you've got your musical numbers, but it's so many of the musical numbers in that film are are are, are shot in like wide shots. Anyway, there's not a whole lot of editing to do. Yeah, there's there's two like really impressive editing moments in La La Land, one of which is just, I guess it's really more cinematography, but it's, it's the, uh, it's the one, it's the big one the really long one-shot, uh, 
freeway scene. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then there's the big montage at the end, which is impressive. Uh, Moonlight, on the other hand, like pairs a lot of visuals, str- threads a lot of things together. Uh, it uses, I know this is film editing, but it also uses sound to uh, a wonderful effect. Uh, and you're right, Arrival does use it for like storytelling purposes. Um, in in so a, it could be in a way that the three. other ones don't, which I think is key. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and then ha- and then Hacksaw Ridge, Hacksaw Ridge is purely there for I guess uh, your your action scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, editing because it has it has those uh, those. Sp- Private Ryan esque mm-hmm. explosive scenes. I'll say it's the uh, one, honest... like the one really impactful part of that film is the uh, the battle scenes in the second half of the of the story. So... Yeah, that's true. Uh, makeup and hairstyling we talked about. I, I give it to Star Trek because I don't want Suicide Squad to have an Oscar. Um, and I feel like enough people will give it to a man called Ove just to purely spite the other two. Yeah. Best original score, uh, this one, I really want it to be Moonlight. The score to Moonlight is just, it's classically composed, and it's beautiful. Um, the score, the the other films are Jackie, uh, Justin Hurwitz's score for La La Land, uh, Lion, and Passengers. Passengers is interesting because it has that, like, that motif where it, like, put the Morse code for SOS into its score. And that, oh, and that wow. it's it's cl- it's clever. It's a clever motif, but I don't think it's enough to give it an Oscar. Right. I I think to to people who haven't seen Passengers, I think it's its inclusion here is just kind of baffling because like yes. everybody knows that as like that one really terrible sci-fi movie that came out at Christmas. That. I mean, the um, fact of the matter is, we'll, maybe maybe we'll do a different thing where I talk about Passengers. But, tell me about Passengers. Uh, you want me to talk about Passengers? Passengers is like. The most frustrating thing about Passengers is it becomes it comes so close to being a good movie. Like with a little bit of restructuring, if you had started that movie with Jennifer Lawrence waking up and then he, she, and Chris Pratt fall in love and they try to figure stuff out together, and then she finds out that spoiler alert, he was the one that woke her up because he was so lonely aboard the ship by himself. Oh God damn it! Oh, did we not? Did you not know this? No, I I had not seen it, and I was. I mean, I, I don't care. Like, tell me, but like, that's it. That's really what. Oh man. But here's the thing, right? Like, you'd think that would be like a second or third act twist. No, the way the movie does it is the entire first act is Chris Pratt alone by himself on the spaceship, losing his fucking mind, and then he falls in love with this girl in this glass bubble, and he figures out how to wake her up. And then they fall in love, and then he's like, I'm so sorry! I shouldn't have done this! Because she figures it out. Uh, and then they have to save the ship or whatever. Lawrence Fishburne wakes up. Uh, and then, here's the shitty part. She forgives him. She forgives oh, him. Man. They build a life together. Uh, and yeah, Chris Pratt, space rapist, is forgiven for this. But you could have made a great frickin' Uh, thriller out of this. You could have just had it be alien except about actual sexual assault. If the movie had just made Chris Pratt the bad guy and now Jennifer Lawrence is trapped aboard the spaceship with this guy who's obsessed with her, that's a wonderful thriller idea. Instead, they made it like like 
Space rape apology. Stockholm syndrome. In space. <laughs> it's so fucking gross. But the music is good, which is what we're actually talking about here. Well, I guess fair enough then. And Thomas Newman does tend to turn in better scores than most, so I guess fair enough. Yeah, uh, but this is another one that's going to be between La La Land and Moonlight. Um, and and I, I'm trying to look through like my my uh, list of movies that I saw last year, and I couldn't tell you what what else should be in this in this list here. Arrival should not a lot of well. I mean, more like what's being left out. Arrival, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, Johan Johansson's score for Arrival is great, and that's that's another snub. I think that should probably be there in place of Passengers. I, but I, I think, I think I read that his score was snubbed because it incorporates like pre-existing music, and that's like a big no-no for for oh. the Academy. Yeah. So, um, otherwise, yeah, it would definitely be here. So yeah, it it could be Moonlight because uh, Moonlight's score is is used very well. It'll probably go to La La Land, although the score for La La Land is it's okay. One yeah. thing I was really surprised about, like I enjoyed all the music in La La Land when I got or when I was in the theater, mm-hmm. and then when I got home, I looked it up on Spotify and I was shocked by how few actual songs there are. Which is odd because two of those songs wound up in the best original song category. Which is a good segue. Awesome. We, we're yeah. good at this. Um, yeah. So speaking of the last category, uh, I should have mentioned Moana should have probably should have gotten uh, a Best Original Score nomination. Yeah, the score in Moana is great. It really uh, is. Especially that, that scene where she's in the cave uh, and they've got the, uh, the, the Polynesian drums going on. That's, that's a great scene. Oh, so yeah, yeah, Moana should have been on there. But I, I think uh, but again let's... they're they're billing Moana as the the Disney musical by Lin Manuel Miranda, so uh, which is the... why I think it's going to win. I think uh, it I think could. That, I think it's going to take. Uh, well, we'll move into this this category. It's going to take this category where Lin Manuel Miranda is uh, nominated for "How Far I'll Go" from Moana, and uh, yes. Okay, I'll 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 give us the other the other four. Uh, yeah. For La La Land, we've got um, uh, Emma Stone's song "The Fools Who Dream," which I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, also, "City of Stars," which I think is the the song that Ryan Gosling is is trying to pick out throughout the movie. Is that it's right? It's kind of the main theme of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, yeah. Do, 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 do. Mm. Like it's catchy. It sure is catchy. Uh, but then we've got. Uh, can't stop the feeling from trolls, which is, I guess, Justin Timberlake's big contribution. And then we've got uh, the empty chair from a film called Jim: The James Foley Story. I have no idea what that is. Is this a case like the one from a year or two ago where they like they nominated a song for a film that was produced by one like like one of the Academy like producers? Like, yeah. Like, do you remember that? Am I am I getting yeah, the details on that, that right? <laughs> I, I know they, what you're they nominated about. it, I, and then they unnominated it once they realized, like, oh shit, there's a huge conflict of interests here. Um, but yeah, I remember that, and like, no one had seen it. I want to say it was like a it was like a weird Christian movie too. Yeah, and it was a year yeah. where they only nominated three films. So when they took that one out, there were just two left. What a uh, shame. Anyway, anyway, yeah, it's gonna go to Lin Manuel Miranda. He's gonna get his egot, and we can all his go. He got because he has a Pulitzer. Oh shit, he does. Oh man, yeah, his P got. Yeah, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda's gonna get his EGOT, and quite frankly, that's a better song than either of the La La Land songs, so... It, it really is. It's it's the best song in Moana, too. Like, uh, yeah. most of the songs in that movie are great. Uh, You're Welcome is my other favorite, but yeah, How Far I'll Go is, is excellent. I do like... I didn't like it when I watched it, but I like... Uh, it grew on me. I really like Jermaine Clement's, like, David Bowie impression, uh, where he plays a giant crab and sings about shininess. Yeah, you, you you need to sit, let that one sit for a bit because uh, it's it's definitely a big what the hell am I watching kind of scene in the movie. It 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 but takes in place in a weird spot in the movie. In hindsight, yeah, it's it's great. All of it is great. But, um, yeah, so, so it's it's gonna be Lin Manuel. He's gonna get his his egot, and I'm happy for him. It's it's the best song of all of these, unless maybe the empty chair is like is an amazing classic. It is a stairway to heaven level like it, accomplishment it was of like, music. Unless it was like secretly ghost written by Bruce Springsteen or something, right? Yeah. yeah so I knows? guess the the last it, the last important thing we need to talk. I guess no, there's two. There's two more things we need to talk about here. Hmm. First is the the sound mixing slash editing categories, which are always a crapshoot. Nobody understands either. No, no one knows what they are. Yeah. No, even though like every year they they find a new special way to try to explain it to us, it goes over everybody's heads. Forget it. The, the thing that I think is interesting, though, is um, in the sound mixing category, you've got 13 Hours, which is Michael Bay's Benghazi movie that I thought nobody remembered. Well, I did see that that Benghazi movie, and I will tell you that movie is not as bad as you think it is. Uh, and also, yeah, I could give that to sound mixing. That movie is, like, loud and quiet, and uh, the sound in that movie adds a lot. That's why I don't think you, like, if... You, if you were ever going to watch 13 Hours, you should have watched it in the theater. Uh, so it, it deserves that slot. Mm. And then you've got, um, in, in the sound editing category, you've got um, most of your, your typical nominees. But then you've got De- Deepwater Horizon, which I don't think any of us saw. No one saw. Uh, and then Sully, which I only just saw like a week ago. And there are several scenes in that film where people are just sitting around listening to uh, the black box tapes of uh, Sully Sullenberger's flight. So, it, it, in that sense, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, I it's, mean, this... it's a decent film, but I don't know if sound editing is the thing to give it, you know, a nomination for. I th- I thought Tom Hanks would have been a. You know what? That's it. Tom Hanks should have been in the best actor category. He is actually very good in this film. But we're talking about sound editing here, so. I mean, I I, I think I think. I think you're right. This will probably be where La La Land sweeps just because they're like, oh, musicals. Those have sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it were me, I would say Arrival probably deserves it more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, those, I would agree there. They have those cool sounds that happen every time the uh, the aliens place a new uh, symbol on the screen. And it's kind of like, like inky echoes is the only way I can really describe that noise. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So, and, but yeah, it's, pro- it's probably going to go uh, La La Land, but yeah. I would like it to be a rival. And uh, finally is the best achievement in visual effects. Oh, we also haven't talked about screenplays. We'll talk about screenplays. Oh, after shit. This. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of stuff. We're right? already running long, but you know what? That's fine. We're, 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 uh, so will the Oscars. So will the Oscars. We will take an extra hour to talk about visual effects alone. At least you don't get like crappy sketches with us. <laughs> Yet. You don't. You don't have to listen to Jimmy. Is it Jimmy Fallon hosting this year? Who's hosting this year? Kimmel. Kimmel. Okay. Still. 
So wait, so are we gonna get a are we gonna get like a sketch where like he gets Oscar nominees or no, he gets the parents of Oscar nominees, Oscar winners to tell them that they've sold their Oscars? Is that like the thing that he does? <laughs> That's I I I I want to. I want him to make everybody read a mean tweet about themselves before they can accept their Oscar. <laughs> and some of these you'll have to like dig really hard on, like, oh yeah, like Craig Hammock, visual effects director for Deepwater Horizon, sucks. <laughs> Written by his younger brother Davey Hammock. Yeah. Okay, for real though, uh, best achievement in visual effects. Uh, we got Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book. Kubo and the Two Strings, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, I'm happy to see Kubo here. I'm, yeah, happy and very surprised. I didn't think that uh, it would warrant a visual effects award, but it, if anything, it kind of does warrant one here. Absolutely. And it was, it's like their large, for Leica Studios, it was their largest scale uh, effects related uh, film yeah and it does look cool like the big the big yeah. monsters they've built in that movie are great looking um and i you know it's nice to see the academy just giving a nod to the art of practical effects anyway absolutely because that cause said it's, it's the only one it is the only yeah. one in this category um deep water horizon said, I, deep water horizon yeah. i guess because i don't know the the extent to which they built a, a, a an oil derrick out in the ocean to film this but it, I mean, it, it looks at least uh, passable. I'll say that much. Yeah. Uh, that said, I still think this could and should go to Doctor Strange. You see, I feel like it's the Jungle Books year. Um, if if only because there's that one credit that I remember in, in the end credits where it says, filmed on location in downtown Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Because they 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 CGI this entire jungle from scratch and it looks uh, kind of uncanny. It's it's kind of miraculous the way they pulled that off. All right, yeah, I'll see that. I'll see that. By the way, uh, three out of the five uh, nominees here are Disney, Jungle Book, or Disney related wow, properties. You're right. Yeah. And now I I have to see who produced Deepwater Horizon just in case. Um, no, Summit Entertainment. Okay, so so that's bullet dodged. Yeah. All right. So then, now let's finally let's round this up with the writing categories. Uh, okay. Best adapted screenplay, uh, Arrival, uh, by Eric H- Hesher, Fences by August Wilson, who also wrote the play, uh, Hidden Figures. Uh, screenplay by Allison. Do you have the last name there? Allison Schroeder. Thank and, you. And Theodore it, Melfi. It cuts off here. Okay. Uh, same with Moonlight. So just read that one for me. Uh, Lion, Luke Davies, and Moonlight. Barry Jenkins and uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney. So yeah, um, I would like to see this go to Moonlight. Definitely. Uh, it might be the one that they give to Hidden Figures. I think I think the writing is where they're going to give some of the underdogs mm. from Best Picture. Uh, it's also what I think Hell or High Water is going to take away for Best Original Screenplay. Um, I think so. I I, I think yeah. Moonlight has a leg up, if only because the director also wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So if it if it took it, that would be why. Again, I haven't seen the film, so I couldn't say on its own merits. Yeah. Um. 
all of these are good screenplays, uh, especially Arrival. Uh, mm-hmm. Hidden Figures is like, I'm sure it's a great ap- adaptation. It's a great story. Uh, it it doesn't really like play any surprises story wise, but it's still like I said, it it hits all those notes well. Right, and there's something to be said for hitting those notes well. This uh, this is a weird category. Uh, I'm gonna say Moonlight will win, should win. Okay, uh, fair enough. I don't and have any uh, origi- ar- any arguments here, so please. And then original screenplay. This is where I think Hell or High Water is gonna get its its bone, uh, and deservedly so. Uh, La La Land as well, written by Damien Chazelle. Uh, the Lobster, written by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan. And 20th Century Women, which I'm planning on seeing this week, mm. and I've heard good things about. Um, so, yeah, this is where I think Hell or High Water is going to get its its due. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't want it to be La La Land. I don't think La La Land should be here. No, I think the writing might be the weakest link in that in that uh, chain there. Absolutely. Uh, the lo- what do you think about The Lobster? I know you reviewed that for us as a screenplay. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, The Lobster as a screenplay, I'm just happy to see it here. Um, I don't know if it, if it deserves the win, but just, it's, it's a signal that they're looking at, at slightly weirder stuff, slightly more challenging things, uh, slightly more out there bits. Um, you know, this, this also could have gone to like Swiss Army Man, but mm-hmm. of the two, I think, uh, I think the lobster's better. Um, I'm happy that it's there. Uh, there's a couple of movies, like, on my list of, like, best movies of the year that I'm flipping through right now that I think also could have taken that, uh, a slot here. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, I think, could have oh, gotten a slot definitely, there. definitely, yeah. Uh, Mike Birbiglia probably... The, yeah, witch the Witch is definitely unique. Um, uh, the Nice Guys, I... Prob- the Nice Guys should have Should have gotten a spot on here, yeah. I think Mike Birbiglia deserved a spot for Don't Think Twice. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um uh a bigger splash, Queen of Cotway. Queen of Cotway kind of has that same uh bit of that hidden figures does where it's just does all the the same feel good notes but does them very well. Um so I think that Hidden Figures' popularity kind of wiped Queen of Cotway off the board. Uh that was a pun because the movie's about chess. Uh, well done. Uh and and also, uh, back in the adapt in the adaptation uh, category, love and friendship. Uh, Whit Stillman's uh, Jane Austen parody slash adaptation kind of was had a great screenplay. That's hilarious. What was that one called? Love and friendship. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, featuring uh, Underworld's Kate Beckinsale. She's great in that movie, uh, and it's available on Amazon Prime, so you can watch that. Mm. I, I I guess okay. So uh, who you so got for of, best, of, of, best original? Screenplay? Yeah, of what we got here, uh, I'm gonna say Hell or High Water. Uh, I'll be mad if it's La La Land, uh, and the uh, others I'm just kind of shrugging about. I uh, full agreement here. Uh, my only other question is uh, the Mike Mills who's nominated for 20th Century Women is that is that the REM guy? Is that what? the bass player for REM? No, no, no okay. way. I'm no an idiot. Way. There's, I, I, it could, <laughs> it could have been. You never know. It could have be been. I mean, out. the band broke up. So I mean, no, it's not. DJ Ad Rock was in the last Noah Bombach picture. So 
and the most recent Star Trek, but that's beside the point. Oh man, we should we I really wish that there was just a category for best use of licensed music. Oh, uh, that would be great. That, that's an MTV movie award award, but like yeah, Star Trek Beyond yeah, would totally yeah. win that a hundred times over. Oh my god. The the <laughs> sabotage scene in Star Trek Beyond, nothing like nothing in film last year made me as happy as watching the sabotage scene in Star Trek Beyond. I was bouncing in my chair. Absolutely. Uh, I one thing that I am disappointed about is I was I was expecting Star Trek Beyond to be a bigger hit because I was eager to see people take that scene and parody it by putting in any other song. <laughs> like, whether it's the Muppets theme it's like, or it's like they're, they're blaring what's new just blaring what's new pussycat as they blow up all of these mines. Whoa, whoa, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, so hey, all you enterprising Is this uh, classical music, all you enterprising meme lords out there, that's your your new assignment. <laughs> all right, so those are our Oscar picks. Yes. Um, so right, if, if let's, you're, let's close this out. If yeah, you're playing, ahead. if you're playing your your office's Oscar pool, uh, and you're using our advice, you know what? I think we gave pretty good advice. So yeah, I think I think so too. Hopefully, you'll I win some. Bucks. I also think we deserve. We deserve a cut of your winnings. Yes. Uh, 10% all right. right off the top. So let's close this out. We're going to close this episode out by just uh, saying things that, unrelated to the Oscars, but just things that we love and want to recommend right now. Okay. Uh, all right. Joe, do you got a thing you love right now that you want to just tell people to check out, new I, or old? Okay. I have. Okay. I won't say love because I feel like my ability to love things has been severely damaged in the last month or two. But, and um, your entire life, but that too. But just my person in, in my personal life, the things that I enjoy away from everybody. Um, okay, I've got one. Uh, so last summer, Adult Swim put out a TV show called Oh God, it's called Brad Neely's Hargnollin Sclopio Pepio. Are you familiar <laughs> with this? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so Brad Neely. Um, if you're familiar with Brad Neely at all, he is the guy who put who produced wizard people the alternative harry potter audio commentary yeah yeah and, I know that is. uh china illinois and um all a bunch of other cartoons on the internet but he, he they let him do this animated sketch comedy show and for for reasons unknown it's called hargnollin sclopio ppo and you can find most clips of it on youtube at this point uh the show's been canceled it got one season nobody watched it but his brand of comedy and his songwriting skills are bizarre and not entirely um understood by myself but i can't stop thinking about it uh there's one video in particular where it's just a 35 minute clip reel of every song from the series and it's either inscrutable like dada is performance art in animated form or just like really catchy really dumb songs about tom hardy or what's on tv or um weird sex things it's bizarre and i won't say i love it because i don't fully understand it but i cannot stop thinking about it so there's that all right all right i'm in uh <laughs> all right it. uh sex archie you've been tweeting about this incessantly and i i i feel like i need to get on the train now <laughs> i love sex archie um it's <laughs> The actual name of the show is Riverdale. 
but okay. it's a it's a teen drama on the CW, and it's 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 just Pretty Little Liars. It's just like Pretty Little Liars or Scream Queens or any of the like dark teen murder dramas. Um, although visually, I think it looks cooler than those uh, as well. But it's also it's an adaptation of the classic Archie comics characters: Archie, Betty, Jughead, Veronica. They're all there. Um, big part for Kevin Keller, who was the first uh, openly gay Archie Comics character. And I think what I like about this is those characters, like, there's such pastiche. There's, like, not a whole lot to them that you can adapt them into any setting. And Archie Comics, in general, has done that. And still technically be true to the character. Mm. Like... As long as you have an Archie Betty Veronica love triangle, and as long as Jughead is eating burgers, and as long as Reggie's still a dick, like though you you have fulfilled your uh, requirement, and you can do whatever you want with these characters. And so these guys, uh, Greg Berlanti, who also made The Flash and Arrow and all of the other like comic adaptations that are on TV right now, um, they've decided to go. Like, Twin Peaks for kids with it. Oh, God. Uh, which is also how I describe my other favorite show, Gravity Falls. But that's for, like, a, a younger audience. That's more. Ex- um, that's also more explicitly, like, Twin Peaks for, ki- Twin Peaks for kids, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so, they... So, yeah, there's, there's like, a little bit of weird, noirish quality to this. Like, all these 10th graders make literary references that they definitely should not be able to make. Uh... <laughs> They they make it a point that Archie is super hot and ripped, so that explains why these girls are always all over him. Uh, and uh, we're you know throw out a little bit of a warning: weird statutory rape plot line because Archie is banging Miss Grundy. Uh-oh. Um, we learned that in the first episode, and it's just it's so silly. It's it's trashy. It's silly. It does look interesting. Like the visuals are great. Uh, the last episode I was commenting they stole heavily from Friday Night Lights. Um, and there's also like this wonderful neon, uh, scene, uh, inside of Pop's Chocolate Shop. It kind of looks like, uh, Nighthawks, that painting Nighthawks. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of captures that aesthetic. So there's, it's silly, it's trashy, it's like, it's my new teen soap because there's a bunch of them on. Uh, and even though it's called Riverdale, I will refer to it as Sex Archie until the day I die. Hashtag Sex now, Archie. Hashtag Sex Archie. Now, is this, is this live action or is this animated? It is live action. Okay. Okay. Not that they would have uh, affected anything, I think. It probably would have played just as well either way. Jughead is uh, one of the twins from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Slash Big oh, Daddy wow. slash Friends. Yeah. Okay. One of those kids grew up, and he's Jughead. I mean, to be uh, honest, and... they both grew up, but... Right. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> On TV, even. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah uh, like, it's, and, it's good and you to haven't see... seen any of the other people in anything else. Okay. Well, it's good to uh, see the... that, like, the the Archie comics are still, like, around and kicking, and people are taking them and, and molding them into different forms, because it's, you know, for so long, those those comics were just kind of a punchline, but now it seems like people are really coming back around on them as legitimate uh, comics, I guess. Yeah, and they're selling well, as far as comics go. That's good. That's good. Our our 30-minute podcast is, has run for an hour and 10 minutes. 
All right, let's let's end this. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So thanks again for tuning in to uh, this episode of the Front Row Central podcast. Future episodes will have us. They'll have the other writers. We'll have different guests. Uh, but for right now, let's just talk about. You can find me, Martin R. Schneider. You can follow me on Twitter at Schneid Remarks. S C H N E I D Remarks. And I'm Joseph Wade. You can follow me on Twitter at jwadefrc. And you can follow all of Front Row Central at frontrowcentral.com, facebook.com slash frontrowcentral, and at frontrowcentral on Twitter. And uh, uh, any questions or comments can be sent any any of those places, but also email us at frontrowcentral at gmail.com. All right. Hey, Joe. Who Yo. are you picking in the Super Bowl today? If the answer is any but is the Patriots, we're not friends. Um... I'm picking the Falcons because it's the nearest thing I have to a home team. Wait, aren't in yours the Panthers? Uh, the Panthers really shit the bed this year. That's fair. That's yeah, you're, fair. No, you're, you're That's right. Fair. Technically, Honestly, technically speaking, it's the Panthers. But no, the Falcons are my de facto home team today. All right. So let's all just hope that Tom Brady loses and cries. And uh, we'll all see you later. Awesome. Have a good night, everybody.